Let me remind you about our Wednesday night uh, summer program. It uh, is just gotten off to a really good start, and thank you for inviting children to be with us and bringing those of your family. And uh, this month, uh, we are doing Glow in the Dark for Jesus, and uh, it is uh, an awesome program, and uh, we invite you to make sure you have your children here each and every Wednesday night, ages 4 to 11, meeting back in the sold-out kids building, and uh, it is uh, just proven to be a, a really, really good thing. They're having a lot of fun, but the most important thing is they're learning about Jesus, and we thank the Lord for our workers. We appreciate them so very much. Could we just give our workers on Wednesday night a good hand? <clears throat> Amen. Thank you so, so much. Take your Bibles, uh, and I need to get mine. I haven't got mine. Acts chapter 27, verse 20. And we're going to be looking uh, today at a, uh, I think, a very vital subject. Secrets about storms and seasons in our lives. Acts chapter 27, verse 20. I think probably one of the most asked questions in the kingdom of God and in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is, why do bad things happen to good people? And if I'm serving God, why am I going through what I'm going through? And I think we need to have a a correct understanding when it comes to making, making sense out of those sorts of situations in our lives. I want to tell you this morning, God loves you, If you're not convinced that God loves you, you've got a problem. Because every bad thing that happens to you, you're going to feel like God's got a stick in his hand and he's just beating you up. But God loves you. He's not mad at you. He cares about you. He's concerned for you. And we need to understand that there is an evil, evil devil Now, the world laughs and mocks at that, and the secular world does, but they are so deceived. There is an evil and a bad devil that is out in the world, and the Bible says he comes to kill, steal, and to destroy. And he is the root of all of our problem, along with our own sin nature. And this morning, I want us to look at uh, some secrets about storms, and the seasons in our life, and I'm positive I won't, I won't get through. So we'll take it up again tonight. So you just need to get hooked up to come back Sunday night, and uh, we'll, we'll get all this in. All right, let's, uh, let's read Acts chapter 27, verse 20. The story is set in a boat, a large sailing vessel, Paul is making his way as a prisoner with other prisoners under Roman guard. 
from Jerusalem to uh, Rome. And there he will plead his case before Caesar. And under duress, this ship leaves during the winter time and storm time. Uh, Paul had got a word from the Lord. And God had told him, he said, tell the captain of the ship, tell the leaders, tell the centurion that's in charge of this band to not sail because there will be impending danger. But they listened to the wrong advice and they sailed anyway. And of course, they find themselves in a horrible, horrible storm. And eventually, the ship is destroyed And unless it had been for Paul's intercessions and God's intervention, many, many lives would have been lost. But God was there to work in the circumstance. Everybody say, God is working even when I can't see Him. Now, verse 20, listen listen to what verse 20 says. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared... And no small tempest lay on us. All hope that we should be saved was then taken away. You ever felt like that? Well, that that is a depressing passage of Scripture, isn't it? I mean, that's not one of those you want to turn to on a down day. Let me suggest to you that you not just do this. Some people try it. And it could work, but it can also be disastrous. And, it, it, you know, just throw the Bible open and stick your finger wherever it falls and read that verse. Well, that must be a word from God for me. And uh, there was a fellow that did that. And uh, uh, he, he threw the Bible open and he stuck his finger on it. And uh, the Scripture uh, said, and on the day of judgment... <laughs> They were cast into the lake of fire. He said, whew, I better try this again. Throw it over, take his finger on it. And uh, Judas betrayed the Lord. Wow. So he decided that he'd do it one more time. He stuck his finger on it and says, and he went out. And hung himself. I suggest you not do that. Uh, we, we need to get to the place where we're full of the truth of God. And we're letting the Holy Spirit speak that truth to us. Because the devil will tell you stuff. And what he tells you, it has only one purpose. And that is to destroy your faith. To steal from you your relationship with God. And and here we are. Paul is in this storm-tossed ship with these other folks, most of them pagans, who serve a a multiplicity of gods. They're all polytheistic, uh, probably outside of the Apostle Paul. He's the only one that really knows Jesus Christ. And isn't it wonderful that it doesn't matter what environment you're in or what circumstance you're in, that if you are a believer, Jesus Christ is right there with you. 
You don't have to have large numbers to be influential for God. Amen, Walls. I'm telling you today, God will work when you're all by yourself. And, and see, Paul was all by himself in that ship. It was tossed to and fro, and, and the pagans, the Roman soldiers, they were worshiping their gods and praying to the god of the sea, Neptune, and, 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 and trying to figure out what kind of sacrifices to make to get the winds to stop. And, and old Paul, he was just fasting and praying, and Jesus showed up and spoke to him. Boy, don't you want Jesus to show up and speak to you? especially in a storm. Our, our problem is in storms, we feel so much pressure that we just, we just give in to the flesh and we do what comes naturally, which is always the wrong thing. The flesh will never do what pleases God. And so you have to be under the, the, the lordship of Jesus and the headship of the Holy Spirit and, and Paul, in, in spite of what everybody was saying, in spite of what everybody was doing, in spite of the circumstance and the environment that was all around him, he was having church. He was experiencing the dynamic of the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, that's what we need in our lives. It is the divine secret that every one of us need to tap into during a storm in the season of our life when we don't understand what's going on. We need the leadership of the Holy Spirit. We need a word from God. Galatians chapter 6. Now, you've got that on your mind. Verse 20. All hope that we should be saved was then taken away. Galatians 6 and verse 9. The Apostle Paul, again, is uh, speaking and writing to the church there. And, and listen, listen to what he says. And let us not be weary in well-doing. That means in doing good. Everybody say doing good. Don't be weary, don't get tired, don't quit, don't give up doing the right things. For in due season... And due season simply means at the right time. Everybody say at the right time. Now I want you to know our right time and God's right time sometimes don't coincide. But God says, God promises that if you keep on doing good in His time, at the right time, you'll reap a harvest if you don't quit, if you don't give up, if you faint not. Now, secrets about storms and seasons. Number one, Acts 27 is, is all about that storm time in uh, the apostles' life in that ship. Let me read to you just a little bit more of the story. Verse 21 says, But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them, after a time of fasting, and said, Sirs, you should have listened unto me, and not have loosed from Crete, and have gained this harm and loss. Sometimes it is really appropriate to say, I told you so. 
Don't you just love it when God will let you say it and you don't feel bad about it? Most of the time we say it, we feel bad about it because it's not the right time to say it. It's not the right thing to say. But Paul said, I just want to tell y'all, considering everything that's going on and how much water's in this ship, I told you so. But, you see, God always has an answer for our problem. And God always, and I want to say this to you, God always puts you in a situation where the the anointing, the enablement, listen to me, everybody say, I'm listening to you, Pastor. God always puts you in a situation. Can I take my coat off? God always puts you in a situation, in a, in a circumstance where the anointing, enablement in your life is going to allow you to solve a problem. Come on, listen to me. Wave your hand at me if you heard that. Okay. Most everybody heard me. God is putting you in a situation, a circumstance, where the enablement of the Spirit, what's going on in your life, your talent, your skill set, the level at which you are living in the Spirit, God is putting you in a circumstance, in a situation where you have an assignment. Everybody say, I've got an assignment from God. And, and, and that assignment will be fulfilled if you will allow the Holy Spirit to use your life. You are not in a circumstance just to be destroyed. You are not in a bad situation to be problematic. You are not in a circumstance that you don't have an answer for just to be confused. You are there because there's something in you that God has put in you that will become a solution to the problem that you're experiencing and you will be an answer for the people around you. I can't preach any better than that. I, that's a word from God. You see, everybody thinks, well, why am I in this situation? Wake up and smell the coffee. Sir, you're a Christian. You're a child of God. You've got something in you everybody else doesn't have. And God's put you there to be an answer to the problem, not a part of the problem. Paul could have said, oh dear, woe is me, we're, we, we're lost, we're lost, we're lost. No, Paul's over there fasting and praying and getting a word from God. And you see, when God gave him a word, that word was not only for Paul, but it was for everybody in that boat. That's why it's important for you in a church to get a word from God. For yourself, but I'm just telling you, God at the same time can be speaking that same word to all of us. And we can move in unity then if we get the rhema of God in our lives. The first thing that I want you to, want you to get is Paul was as secure in the storm as he was in the harbor. In other words, when, the, when he was in the ship and it was tossed about, in his life, in his stability, in his relationship with God and, and in the world, he was as secure there as he was when his feet were on dry ground. Now, are you getting that? There are a lot of people in the church who are okay as long as everything is okay. 
But I just want to tell you, not every time and not all the time and not most of the time are things okay. Someone once said, and I wrote it down when I heard it years and years ago, and it's proved to be the truth. We are either in a crisis, coming out of a crisis, or going into a crisis. Some of y'all just sitting there looking at me wide-eyed. We are living in the midst of life crises. And we need God's help as believers to live secure in a crisis-filled world. The most prescribed medicine in America. This was two years ago. And it really didn't involve the opioid crisis. But the most prescribed medicine was Valium. Everybody knows what Valium is. That's, that, that, that's to calm your nerves down. What does that say to you when the most prescribed medicine in America is a, a medicine that ministers to your nervous system? We're all going crazy in this country because we're filled with stress and we're not handling life very well. And we put so much pressure on ourselves to do this or to do that or to meet this timetable or to please this person or to satisfy my wants and my desires. I'm just telling you the answer to the stress problem is not oxycodone. It is not uh, any kind of opioid. It is certainly not Valium. Those medicines, I, if used correctly, can be helpful. But I'm just telling you the answer to our nervous system problems in this world is a right relationship with God and a walk with the Lord Jesus Christ that will give you the peace of God in your heart. Be as secure in the storm as you were in the harbor. Our security is in Christ, not circumstance. You will be disappointed if you put your hope in the circumstances of life. Because they shift with the winds. They are changing. Only our God is unchanging. And our security is in Christ. We used to sing the old song. We ought to start singing it again. This is one of the reasons I, 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 I wish we had not got away from the old songs. We ought, we, we, we should have, we, we, we ought to incorporate them in every service. And if you've noticed since I've been here, we try to sing some. Yeah. And there's a reason why, because they say something. They say something. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Listen to it. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid... Come on, sing it with me. Rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. That's something you can build your life on. 
in the midst of storms. Because Christ is our security and not our circumstance. Problems are platforms for God's power. Don't ever forget it. Paul was not in this storm just so he could be in a, in a, in a shipwreck. Paul was in this storm so he could be an answer to somebody's problem. He was also in that storm so he could be a conduit, a channel, a means by which God could get His stuff into the world. God, most of the time, uses people to do things. That's why you need to pray a prayer. Because God can use that prayer to change things. See, all God, you see, Jesus said, listen to it, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Listen, in earth as it is in heaven. God wants His will to be done in earth as it is in heaven. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 18, I'm preaching now, in verses 18 through 20, Jesus said, whatever things you bind on the earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever things you loose on the earth shall be loosed in heaven. Before that, he prefaces that whole thing by saying, I give unto you the keys to the kingdom. And so prayer ends up being a key to the kingdom. Why? Because when you pray and you are asking God to do something in the earth, God is wanting His will that is done in heaven already. He wants that to come into the earth. And the way He gets it done into the earth is not by by moving over man's free will. He moves through your prayers because you are desiring what God is desiring. And when you come into agreement with Him, He comes into agreement with you so that His will can be done in the earth like it's done in heaven. I'm here to tell you, friend, there is something to your prayer. Well, that just didn't move you like I thought it would. Let me make a note about that. Needs more work. Problems are platforms for God's power. Storms end up being a platform for Jesus to display His power. You say, Pastor, you mean there are sick people so God can be a healer? I'm not really sure exactly how that works, but I will tell you this. Do you remember when Jesus was asked the question about a man that was born blind? And the the people around said, who sinned? Did he sin or did his parents sin that he was born blind? Now, how's a baby in the womb sin? Isn't that a dumb question? Wave at me if you think that's dumb as I think it's dumb. I think that's dumb. No, the baby didn't sin. Did his parents sin? Well, why would God put on the baby something for the parents' sin? The Bible tells us that, 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 that we reap what we sow. And Jesus said, his parents didn't sin, and the child certainly is not responsible for this. Listen to what Jesus said. This is for the glory of God. Now you can say what you want to, and you can theologically try to manipulate things all you want to, but I'm just telling you, problems are platforms for God's power. 
And I don't know why bad things happen, and I don't know why difficulties come into people's lives, but I do know that God can use them to stand up on, and He can display His power and His glory in your life. And that's what this shipwreck was all about. That's what this storm was all about. It was simply a platform to display God's power. Everybody say, Lord, show yourself in my problem. Come on. God, show yourself in my problem. What a prayer to pray. Lord, I'm going through this, so show yourself and have your way in this problem. Let it be a platform for the power of God. Listen, storms are fading, but the Savior is forever. Did you hear what I said? Storms are fading, but the Savior is forever. I want you to say it with me. That, that's so good. You need to get that in your spirit. Storms are fading, but the Savior is forever. You know, I, I've lived long enough that uh, I've lived through some things and past some things. How many of you wave your hand at me and say, Pastor, I'm right along with you. Yes, sir. I didn't live long enough that I've outlived my problem. Matter of fact, one of my biggest detractors when I first, I think I told you about him. He told me that I'd never amount to nothing. He told me, he says, I know where you, he, he didn't say it to me, but he said behind my back, and that's usually the way cowards do. Oh, preach now. <laughs> and he said, I know his family. I, I've been around them all my life. He won't amount to nothing. He won't make it. He won't be a minister. He'll never be able to, 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 to serve the Lord. And as a pastor, I, I, he just won't make it. And I told you how that stirred me and stimulated me. And, and, and that man and the Holy Ghost made me what I am. Because I said, you, 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 you. I'm going to show you. I did. I don't know whether that was the right motivation or not, but it sure worked. But I, I just want to tell you, I've... I, I, did you know they buried that guy about 25 years ago? I didn't go to his funeral. I don't know what that says. But I wasn't around him, so I couldn't. I, I was gone. He was far off. I probably would have because he, he was a good guy. Listen, it doesn't matter what people say. You can live past what people say. Your opinion of me this morning doesn't mount to a hill of beans. And what I say about you doesn't amount to a hill of beans. Now what God thinks about me and what God thinks about you, that's pretty important. But I'm telling you, friend, that, that, that the Savior is forever, but storms are fading. Don't let the storms cause you to make a right turn when you should have made a left turn. Don't let the storm make you abandon ship when you should have stayed put. Don't let the problem run you off of God's promise. You listening to me? The Savior is forever. Storms are fading. Be as secure in the storm as you are in the harbor. In other words, it doesn't matter whether it's sunshiny or raining. If the wind's blowing or it's just a nice, beautiful day, let your faith be stable 
in Jesus. If you got that, wave your hand at me. Okay, number two, and I'm going to quit here. Number two, possess and practice your joy even when others aren't. How many of you know there, there, there are so, so many doubting dollies? I, I, I've grown up around people who all they could ever see was the bad thing that could happen. They never could see the good thing that probably was going to take place. And all they do is sing the blues. They might as well starred on hee-haw. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. Somebody help me. Deep down, depression, excessive misery. Get country with me. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Gloom, this Billy, that's your chance, bro. Gloom. <laughs> Gloom and despair. That's all some folks see is the sad side of life. They, if, if, you, if you are having a Macy's Day parade, if you're having the best day of your life, if something wonderful happens to you, they'll rain on your parade. Great God Almighty. Why don't we get the spirit of Simon Peter all over us and start living on the sunny side of the street so that we can cast a shadow on those folks that are in the dark places? Why, why, why can't we start living in the sunlight of God's love so that we can shed a little joy and share a little kindness and speak a word of encouragement? I know. I've lived it. I've been there. I lived on cantaloupe for two weeks. How many people in this room ever ate cantaloupe for two weeks? I've lived poor. I know what it is. I couldn't even buy my baby a pair of shoes. But I'm just telling you, if you'll keep your faith in God, the day will come. Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap. If you faint not, serving God is more important than me having stuff. Serving God is more important than me having everything I want. Serving Jesus is the answer to the problem in my life. I never will forget that old lady that came to my house there in East Texas. That's when we were eating cantaloupe for two weeks. We were praying for provision. We were trying to believe God. We weren't asking Mama. We weren't asking Daddy. We could have wrote them a letter. We could have called them. We, they, they, they would have been right there. with You say, Pastor, why did you do that? Because God said He'd provide for me. There are some things worth dying for. And if I was going to be in the ministry all my life, I was going to have to toughen up and get to the place where I understood if people didn't do it, God could do it. And if God would do it, He could use people to help me. I wasn't too good to work. I've worked all my life. I had a lawnmower when I was 10 years old, pushing it, mowing yards, making money. 
My dad said, if I didn't have a job by the time I was 12, I wasn't worth the salt in my bread. I don't know what that means. But so what he said. I've worked all my life. Somebody shook my hand the other day and said, Pastor, you don't have preacher hands. I don't. I got calluses all over my hands. Why? Because I learned to work. But I also learned to trust God. I remember that during that, that horrible time, our church had made some promises to us about paying us. There were times when they, we, we, we wouldn't get paid for, for two or three weeks. We wouldn't have a paycheck. And then they'd come up to us and give us half of it. We'll pay you the rest of it when we can get it. That, that's a church there now. And we're just on our knees trying to believe God to build His church and to work. And God, one day, God moved. I knock on the door. And a, and, a, and a sinner lady, she, she wasn't even saved. And she said, I don't know why I'm doing this. She said, I just felt it in my heart. I just felt it in my heart to, to bring you all these groceries. And I mean, she didn't bring me one bag of groceries. She didn't bring me two bags of groceries. She brought me a, the, the back end of her truck full of groceries. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if you will practice your joy, if you will live for God in spite of what's going on around you when anybody else is not, when nobody else is giving praise, when everybody else is raining on your parade, when everybody says it can't be done and it won't happen, just keep on practicing joy, dance a little bit before the Lord, love Jesus and keep on being faithful. The day will come that God will rain on you the blessing of the Lord. God will do it. God will do it. God will do it. And from that day until now, I have not done without. That was a breakthrough moment for Phyllis and I. And you say, you mean God wanted to see if you'd eat cantaloupe for two weeks? I don't know what he wanted by that. That's just all we had. And I'm telling you this, we practiced our faith in the midst of eating that cantaloupe. You know, this very day, I can, I can look at cantaloupe and I get a little nauseated. <laughs> but the Bible says everything is good and, and can be sanctified by prayer and thanksgiving, and so I go ahead and eat it. Let, let, me, let me possess and practice your joy even when others aren't. Christ's joy is your strength. Christ's joy is your strength. Look, look at our scripture text here. Listen, listen to what it says. In, uh, in verse 25. Wherefore, sirs, Paul is talking to the centurions. He's talking to all the, the folks on the boat that are in the same problem he's in, that are watching the same storm that he's watching. And, and he's got this word from God, and he's heard from the angel of the Lord, and Jesus himself has appeared to Paul. And, and, and here, here are these other guys. They're raining on his parade, and they're looking for a way out. They're thinking, you know, we're going to start throwing people off this boat if we can lighten the ship any way we can. And so listen to what Paul says. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. In other words, I'm happy, you get happy. I just want to tell you, you can't legislate joy. Did anybody get that? 
They can't make a rule in Congress that says everybody smile and everybody smiles. You can't write a rule in the church and say, if you're going to be a member of this church, you've got to be kind and happy every day of your life. You can't make people do that. You can't write a law. You can't legislate that kind of thing. That comes from a walk with God. That comes from a relationship with Jesus. And I'm here to tell you, if, if you have Christ in your life, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Your walk with Jesus is what produces that in you. Let your light so shine among men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. One of your good works is to be joyful. Christ's joy is your strength. The practice of joy is contagious. <laughs> what are y'all doing? Why are y'all laughing? Because I'm laughing. What does that tell you? Joy is contagious. I pray God put a headlock on every one of them and give you joy. <laughs> joy. If you practice joy, somebody else will get cheerful. If you practice joy and show them how to do it when times are rough, I'm telling you, it'll become contagious. They'll want what you've got. I'm praying that the Lord will raise up a generation of young people and old folks alike who will walk together hand in hand and decide that we are going to be so full of the Holy Spirit that we're going to be so full of Jesus that we live a life that people in the world say, I want that, I want that, I want to catch that. If you're an old sad sack and you're grappling all the time about everything that's going on and, and there's nothing good, I'm just telling you, it ain't nobody want that. They already got that. I wouldn't go cross, I wouldn't spit on that if it was on fire. But if you live for God and be full of the Holy Ghost, I'm telling you, there's people around. I never will forget that little boy. Not a little boy. He's a teenage guy down in McAllen, Texas. And he came and visited our church. And I was, I was just preaching like I normally do, just acting crazy and nuts and enjoying myself and having a time sharing the Word of God and preaching the truth. And, and after service, he came up to me and he says, Preacher, I want what you got. Now, it may, you may say, he's crazy as you are, Pastor. But he came up to me and said, I want what you got. I said, all right, throw your hands up. We're going to pray right now. All you need is the Holy Ghost. Because the Holy Ghost gives you joy. He gives you peace, love, and joy. That's why I pray in the Spirit every day. Because I want to be full of the Holy Ghost. I don't want to be full of me. You wouldn't like me if I was full of me all the time. Ask Phyllis. She gets a good taste of me when I'm not full of me, of, of Jesus. And I've seen some of y'all when y'all weren't full of Jesus either. I, I, no comment. Do you hear what I'm saying? The practice of joy is contagious. Live in such a way 
that your faith and your walk with God is contagious. People want it. People catch it. People follow you. People want what you have. And I'm closing. Joy is a breeding ground for faith. Everybody say that with me. Joy is a breeding ground for faith. I don't know why, but faith works best when we are cheerful about Jesus. If we're glad for the Lord, you know, I just want God to heal me, and, 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 and I just, but, but, but I, you know, and, and, and I'm just, just, I can't stand my neighbor, and I I'm mad at my dog, and you hear what I'm saying? But if you, if you will be full of joy, I'll tell you some of the greatest moves of God in my life and in the lives I've seen God do it, was in an atmosphere of joy. On a Sunday night in Jonesboro, Arkansas, I tell you, we'd have some, we'd have some Holy Ghost get-downs. There'd be people laying out all over the front and the altars, just everywhere. It looked like a gas leak in the church. There'd just be people laid out everywhere. Speaking in tongues, worshiping God, having visions, seeing God move, and, and, and praying and loving uh, on each other and praying for each other. And we go, to, we go to 10, 11, 12 at night on Sunday nights and start at 6 o'clock in the evening. Just a Holy Ghost breakdown. And in some of those services, in some of those services, there would be an outbreak of joy. And when that joy would come, I have seen God heal. I have seen God save. I'm talking about hard-hearted people that just, just messed up, tore up from the floor up, bad at everybody, didn't have two cents about anything that was worth good. And, and, and I've seen them in those kinds of services. You'd think they'd run from that. You'd think they'd try to get away from that. You'd you think the back door would fly open. they say, that's a bunch of stuff. But I've seen when that joy would hit our church, those would be the first people that run to the altar. Why? Because joy is a breeding ground for faith. When Paul got happy about the word that the Lord had given him, then everybody in the boat got content and happy with the word that Paul had given them. You know what? God told Paul, he said, listen, stay in the boat. Don't jump ship. Stay in the boat. The boat's going to be destroyed, but not one person's life is going to be lost. And when it was all said and done, and the smoke cleared, and the dust settled, and the waves calmed, everybody in that ship lived. They got to the island. Why? Because joy is a breeding ground for faith. Let's practice joy. Come on, be cheerful. People will want what you've got. If all we do is sing a sad song and we're always talking about the negative and what somebody else is doing, well, I could do better if they wouldn't do that. Listen, they never have had anything to do with what's going on in your life to start with. You live your life for God and you love people and you serve God, you honor God, and the blessing of God will come on you and it won't, it'll bypass them. Can we start living that way? 
How many of you say this with me? I want you to think about it. But I want you to say this with me. Other people are not my problem. If God wants you in the palace, can't nobody keep you in the pit. God wanted Joseph to be in the palace of Pharaoh in Egypt. His brothers wanted him in the pit. Potiphar's wife wanted him in the pit. Potiphar's wife wanted him in the prison. But if God wants you in the palace, ha, 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 woo, can't nobody keep you in the pit. Other people are not my problem. My problem is me. Now, who will say that? Other people, come on, say it with me. Other people are not my problem. My problem is me. Oh! Somebody say amen, oh me, or ouch. <laughs> Man, I'm getting some, I'm digging this morning. I'm, I'm get, we, we're getting somewhere. We can have a move of God here at First Assembly. Hadn't got nothing to do with, with any other church. I, I, there's other churches doing their stuff. And we want God to bless them. And I'm praying for God to bless them. But I'm telling you, I, if we don't have to worry about what anybody else is doing. we got to do the right stuff. we got to put ourselves in a place. we got to practice joy. we got to believe that other people are not our problem. That we're our own worst enemy. And if I'll get my spirit straight and my attitude right, God will prosper me. Let's pray. Father, thank you. I lied five minutes ago. Somebody pray for me. Father, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives. I believe with all of my heart this morning, folks, that this is a rhema word for our church right now. And I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you, will you get on board? Will you get on board with Pastor? Let's practice the secrets of God in the storms and in the seasons of life. Tonight, I'm going to talk about nine seasons of life that every victorious child of God has to go through. Not maybe will go through, not might go through, but will go through. And if you want to be a victorious Christian, if you want to live an overcoming life, these nine seasons have to be a part of your life. Have to. But this morning, I want us, I want us to respond to the Holy Spirit. God has spoke to us some beautiful things today in the Spirit. Words of prophecy, interpretation of tongues. Beautiful promises from God. Word of encouragement. Word of exhortation. And right now, right now, you, you just stand right where you are. And don't, don't stand because pastor's asking you. Don't stand because it's going to hasten the end of the service. Stand because you really feel convinced in your heart that, that you sat in the presence of God today and God's talked to you through the message through the man of God 
And by the Holy Spirit, God's whispered in your soul. My security is in Christ. And it's not dependent on circumstances. And I am going to practice joy even when others aren't. If you'll do, just begin to do those two things and let them to become a, a reality in your life. I, I, God, you're opening up a whole new door for God to work in your life. And, you, and you'll draw closer to the Lord. And God will begin to pour out favor and blessing on you. You'll see it. Pastor, I'm going to start practicing joy. Others may be raining on my parade, but I'm still going to practice joy. Listen, you can outlive the comments of others. You can live beyond your present problem. God's grace is sufficient. There's a better day coming. My cantaloupe diet ended. And God opened up a whole new arena of faith for me. And right now you'd stand to your feet and say, Pastor, I, I, this morning, am going to practice joy when nobody else is. People are not my problem. I'm my problem. And I'm going to get my life in line and order with the Word of God and with the Lordship of Jesus. And you'd stand all over this room today to say, Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah.